to, for example, search Nick Warnes on Amazon.com, I mean, he has a book. This guy's written a book, maybe two by now. How many books have you read? He's got two, so that's cool. So, Nick Warnes, everyone. Well, that's one way to introduce things. Uh, it's great to be with you all. Um, yeah, my name's Nick. I am, um, again, like Jeff said, uh, it's, it's just so fun to be here because uh, Jeff is important in my life because he's the one that taught me that I'm actually not a good musician. <laughs> um, we are both applying for the same job at Glendale Presbyterian Church to help with worship. And uh, the, uh, we, we talked music, well, both in our interview processes, and the people who interviewed us uh, said, no, Jeff should lead the worship, and Nick, you should be the youth pastor and not lead the worship. <laughs> so it's, it's, just, it's, it's a good reminder, Jeff, I'm sure, whatever, year four into a new church, uh, maybe some of the flattery ceases to exist, but you do just such a great job, so uh, thanks, thanks. For, yeah, thanks for that, it's great. Um, also, I've been a coach to Rob Douglas. Um, for the last four years, and uh, that relationship is fully mutual. Rob teaches me a boatload about what it means to be a, a local pastor, and I just I appreciate that so much, and I appreciate the invite to come and speak. I've been to worship with you all, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen times over the years. This is the first time I've ever said anything from a microphone, so uh, it does feel comfortable to, to be here and to be with you all, and I look forward to seeing uh, what's going to happen here. Uh, I do need a vote from you all, though. My, my wife and I have been getting numbers from people as to what we should name our son. And so soon, right? I'm really excited. We've had a really long journey here. And uh, my wife is 19 weeks pregnant, 19 weeks one day pregnant. And uh, we're getting a, a, a test on names. So this will be a very objective audience for us. So I need a raise of hands as to what you think the name should be. Okay, ready? Uh, the middle name is going to be Vaughn. So that's just, that's that. That's Whitney's, my wife's Whitney. It's her grandpa's middle name. Three potential first names. Ready? First one is Lee. That was my grandpa's middle name and my uncle's middle name and my middle name. The second one is Tullus, which is Whitney's grandpa's first name. And the third one is Asher which is one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and in the rabbinical tradition, the tribe of Asher were the reconcilers, which with the church we started is on reconciliation. So, Lee, Tullus, and Asher, okay? Oh, none, none of the above. You do none of the above, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, four options. He wants to write in. Option, option one, just purely, like, just don't, don't even think too hard about it, just got to vote for one. One is Lee, can I see a raise of hands? Okay. One, two, about 10 people. Um, Tullus, can I see a raise of hands? Ooh. Oh, wait, it's Grandpa. Grandpa Tully down on the farm in Texas. <laughs> and third is Asher. That's probably about 20 people. Great. And then none of the above? Dale. <laughs> Dale? Oh, okay. I got zero as well. It should be named Dale. Perfect. Thank you for that. A <laughs> uh, quick question for you. Uh, I would love to hear, this is going to be kind of dynamic and moving, so I hope you're with me in this as we move and shake and see what rolls out this morning. Uh, what are your preconceived notions on boundaries? When you hear the word boundaries, uh, what comes to mind? And you can't say Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries. <laughs> that does not count. Boundaries. Positive thing, not positive thing. What do you do with that? Yeah, please. Personal space. 
personal space yeah. that you want to keep and maintain. Yeah. Very good. Necessary. What's that? Necessary. Necessary boundaries. Yeah, especially for uh, pastors. Rob Douglas right now, right, is on vacation. You should encourage him to do that more. Yeah. I'm sure you all do. Um, he's setting good boundaries right now by making sure his identity stays wrapped in Jesus and not in his church. I mean, whatever, how, however he's doing his vacation. Yeah, good. So necessary and personal, good. Any others? I have there around um, people and time are my preconceived notions. So as a, as a former pastor, I actually just retired as the pastor of Northland Village Church. Um, I got a trophy from our church as I transitioned out as the pastor that said Pastor Emeritus on it. So I'm, we're actually going to stay a part of the church. Um, but we're, we're working through the details of that. But yeah, so I, I, am, I am no longer a pastor, but was a pastor for a long time. And boundaries with people is very important as a pastor, as it is in all vocations. Um, uh, making sure that we do well with who we spend time with and for how long and why. Right, so boundaries there. And then boundaries on time as well, right? Um, I remember when we started the church, um, we, I always did an exercise with my interns. Uh, how much time are you spending on what per week? And people had to create an Excel file and a pie chart, which you can learn a little bit about me in that exercise. It was always fascinating. I didn't tell them how to fill in the Excel file and the pie chart they would create from the Excel file. But so to see how they would arrange their time, the interns and myself included, is as interesting to me as how many hours you're spending on whatever. But uh, I remember when we started the church, it was 72 hours a week, year one, and then it was 68 hours a week, year two, and then by year seven, it was down to an appropriate, I was half-time by the time we finished, but it was an appropriate, like, 25 hours per week, half-time. So yeah, boundaries is something that we need to keep, is a preconceived notion on boundaries. I think especially in today's culture, I was talking to Professor Fuller and this person wouldn't turn in assignments on time, and the professor approached the person and was like, hey, why are you not turning in assignments on time? The person said, I'm just trying to keep my personal boundaries. I feel a bit overwhelmed right now, so I need to keep this boundary, and I'm just not going to fill my assignment. Like, we're in a culture that's prioritizing personal boundaries maybe more than any culture ever. What I'm going to talk about today, I think, was kind of laid on my heart, especially um, for you all, year four of a new church. And this is a time that is tempting to get just a bit lazy, to get just a bit comfortable, to get just a bit cozy with one another, and stop functioning as the church, which is, of course, the only institution that exists not for itself, but for others. So that's kind of where I'm going to press. I'm going to press on the importance of boundary crossing over and against my preconceived notion, um, along with you all's as well, of boundary keeping. So we're going to do that through Acts 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I think we have it on the screen here. I will read it from the screen. Uh, we'll pray, and then we'll get chatting together. So Acts 8. 26 to 38, if you're following in your Bibles or on your phones, and here it is on the screen. Luke writes this, Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official 
of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep who was led to the slaughter, like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, after a committee meeting, of course, (laughs) Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God, indeed, your word is like honey to us, and we're grateful for it. Would you bless us with faithfulness and creativity as we try and dive deeper into it this morning with one another? Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Alright, boundary crossing. So you might have seen in this text, and if you have a Bible, you might want to keep it open in front of you, that uh, there's lots of boundaries that are crossed here between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, what's an Ethiopian eunuch? Can someone describe what that would be? Yes, sir, please. Well, Ethiopian, he was made eunuch so he could essentially protect the queen from without having his own desire or whatever. Very good, yeah. And the Ethiopian, so from another another country. Right, very good. So, as we're going to get into what's happening here with Philip, but as Philip engages with the Ethiopian eunuch, which boundaries were crossed? Which boundaries were crossed? And we might begin with something like, Well, the Ethiopian eunuch was from Ethiopia, so national boundaries were crossed in a sense here. What other boundaries do we see crossed in this interaction? Please. Personal space? Personal boundaries, yes, right? He he actually got into the chariot with the the eunuch later on in the text. We're actually going to talk about that in a second. Good one. What's that? Privacy boundaries. Privacy boundaries. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, he's like really, this is a stranger. He's rubbing elbows next to. Yes, sir. Spiritual? Spiritual. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, the eunuch was uh, reading the uh, text from Isaiah. Good. And, um, uh, was it Jacob? Philip? Oh, yeah, see. Horrible to me. And uh, he, Explained it to him and, yeah. and that word of God. You know, 
we're good. Yep. Yeah, and they come probably from different faith backgrounds as well, right? So there's boundaries being crossed between faith backgrounds. This is all very new, apparently, to the, to the unit. Yes? Maybe socioeconomic, if this yep. guy serves the queen, yep. and here we've got this missionary man. Good, yep. And what, what's, what's he in charge of, do you remember from the text? All of her money. Right. So the eunuch is a... Probably a very, very wealthy man. Philip? The opposite, right? This is probably like a 16-year-old young man who had been following around Jesus and probably had not two pennies to rub together. So, socioeconomic boundaries. Good. Others. There's so many. I mean, literally, we could sit here for two hours if we wanted to and, and do this. There, there are many more. You touched earlier on some, uh, some sexual boundaries, right? So there's some things happening with the eunuch. We are in worship, so we might want to keep those PG. You did well when you explained it. But there, there, are some, there, there are some sexual identity boundaries that are being crossed here. There are racial boundaries that are being crossed here, right? The Ethiopian eunuch's from Ethiopia, right? Philip's from Israel. These are going to be, these are going to be racial boundaries that are crossed here. Yes. I'm thinking besides just the geography of going and crossing that, yep. that it's very difficult because he's going to sit down right next to him. Like all that private space stuff. There's boundaries being crossed there. There's age boundaries being crossed here. Philip's probably very young. The eunuch's probably very old. Other boundaries you want to try and touch on? I think you're getting the feel here. There's a lot of boundary crossing happening. Uh, in today's culture, it is uh, inclusivism is very normal in today's culture, and culture is moving toward being more inclusive for strengths and weaknesses, better or worse. We need to remember, two thousand years ago, exclusivism was the normal thing. When we read the biblical text, sure, there's lots of room for um, God's people to expand beyond just the Jewish people, but historically. Even when we read this text, and we read Matthew, right, start with the Jews, then move to the Gentiles, we see, uh, we see much more uh, a higher practice of exclusivity. Here, we start to see uh, God's people for the first time moving out to include people that aren't Jewish. This is a big part in the text, right? This is the book of Acts. This is the movement from the beginning of Luke to the end of the book of Acts. We see lots of work with people who identify as Jewish, and then now we're starting to transition. Uh, Saul, you might remember, is Acts 9, who becomes Paul. And then we get to Acts 15, and we get the Jerusalem Council. If you remember that, right? Jerusalem Council is, oh my gosh, people who aren't circumcised are in this tribe now. Is that okay or not, and why? They make their decision in Acts 15, which is a key decision. They decide, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be a part of this, this group, this group of people who we now call Christians. And then Paul goes on, all the way to Rome. So we see this shift from just God's Jewish people to actually God's people are all people, and all people can be included in this new movement as initiated by Jesus. This text we take for granted because this is one of the first texts that's super key in that transition. Before it was, you know, go to the temple, right? Remember that? Go to the temple. So God's people went to the temple and proclaimed in the temple. Now it's outside the walls, and it's, it's with someone who literally this couldn't be a more Gentile person. This person is super Gentile, and it's an Ethiopian eunuch. 
what an Ethiopian eunuch has God's activity happening within him. A lot of people would have read this in the exclusive nature of 2,000 years ago's culture and said there's no way that can happen. But here it is. The transition toward all people can be included in this. So that's kind of where we are in the Bible. Now, look at verse 29 again. We're going to start to see as you as a church, as a new church, as a four-year-old new church, we're going to see some, I don't know, some initiatives. We're going to see some priorities that start to emerge here in, in the text and in God's missionary people. And I want to start to pull some of these out. So, verse 29. If you have a Bible in front of you, would you read out verse 29 really loud for me? Very good. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chair. I want you to notice the Spirit said, I don't know about you, but I feel like most of the time I am just not that attentive to God's Spirit that is with us. Remember that Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, and remember that Jesus ascended. Friends, Jesus is not here. Sorry about that, Rob. You can listen to this podcast. I don't know if that's good to say in church or not. But the reality is Jesus is not here. What's left is the Spirit of God that is with us, and we are the body of Christ, right? The church. Now, I feel like when I read these early chapters in Acts, there's a very attentive nature to the Spirit of God. People are like always paying attention. What's the Spirit saying to me? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to give away? How am I supposed to help with this, this, or this? And me, you all are probably different. But me, like, I'm just kind of schmucky. I'm like, man, I, I'm like, I want to get home and I want to watch my Netflix show. Like, I want to get home so I can make sure I get to my tea off time on time. Like, I'm, I'm not always paying attention to the Spirit. Like, I feel like people here were paying attention to the Spirit. And then, when I do feel like I have, like, a, my wife calls them spirit moments, when I do pay attention to the spirit, how often am I like, oh, I'm probably just imagining that. Oh, that's probably not true. But then there's, like, moments where I do follow, and there's narratives, like the narrative of my friend Kevin Coyle. Kevin Coyle was a waiter um, for me at Outback Steakhouse when I was having lunch with our executive presbyter, the, the, the boss of our region, Ken Baker, And I had, like, a very distinct moment, like, hey, you need to engage with Kevin and, like, talk with him. So I talked with him, and son of a gun, the guy wants to have coffee later on that week. So me and Kevin have coffee. It turns out he's reading all these kind of, like, like funky, more like funky spiritual kind of books, which whatever, is cool. Um, Like, put crystals on your heart kind of stuff. And, I mean, that was fine. And I was reading these other books, and I said, hey, what if we read each other's books and, like, meet together? And we read each other's books, and we started meeting together. And then soon enough, I learned all about his stuff. He learned about my stuff. He ends up connecting at our church. He ends up becoming a member of our church. And he ends, now he's getting married to this great woman, and we're officiating his wedding, and like all the things. All because I actually did pay attention when I had a, a moment, like a spirit check. Oh, like what is that? Okay, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to do that. That, for me, friends, is the minority. That is like, that's not the normal thing for me. I wish it was more of the normal thing. And there are stories where I do try something and it totally falls apart, doesn't quote-unquote work at all, you know? But, you know, I, I, overall, like, what would it mean for us to then pay attention 
more regularly to the Spirit of God that is indeed with us? How might that look? How might that change in your life if you were to take that seriously? The Holy Spirit that is with us. Verse 30, moving on. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, I'm going to continue, and he asked, do you understand what you are reading? So Philip, apparently, he's dialed into the Holy Spirit. He's so dialed in that Philip runs. Like, he doesn't even walk to it. He's, like, running to it. He runs up to the chariot, and what does he do? Does he show up and say, God loves you, and you should repent and be saved? No. That's what he says. Look what he leads in with. He leads in with a question, not an answer. Friends, the church here, you all probably know, has been obsessed with being the answer givers over and over and over again. We show up and we're like, you're welcome, Africa. We're here. Let us give you our answer. Or like, I work with a lot of church planters, right? And if any of our church planters ever do this, that's going to drive me crazy. They haven't done it so far, and I hope we never do it. Like, we show up in a neighborhood. A lot of church planters will show up in a neighborhood, like, make, like, postcards and send them to the neighborhood and say, come to our worship service and act like, you're welcome. We're here. Come to us so we can give you the answers for how to live life. Friends, this is what we would call missiological suicide. This is suicide for the mission of God. The mission of God, as we see here, often, as we often see in the text, begins not with an answer, but with a question. Do you understand what you are reading? Verse 31, he replied, this is the Ethiopian eunuch, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Yeah, again, right, it's the private space thing, it's the personal space. He doesn't just, like, jump right in. He doesn't run to this chariot and just, like, jump right in and invade this guy's space. Uh, for any of you who like to read sociology, I love reading sociology and the importance of colonialism. Anyone? Colonialism? Anyone like to read on colonialism? I love reading colonialism. Like, the implications of colonialism on new church and church planting are stunning. Like our colonial past is tied, I'm working on a book right now with Fuller Seminary, the introduction is talking about how church planting in the last, well, basically since the birth of America, uh, church planting was deeply tied with colonialism. Like, right, the, the priest shows up in the town, you're welcome, we're here, the church is here, and they build a building, right, and then start providing services to the local people. Uh, and that's the, that's the G-rated side of what happened. Like there, there's a more R-rated side, which we can talk about over coffee if you want <laughs> this week. But so tied to colonialism, um, Rob tells a story. You all probably know this story better than I do. He was on a mission trip. Maybe some of you were on this trip. He's on a mission trip somewhere. I forget where. I think somewhere in Central America. And he's walking around the neighborhood with the leaders of, of, the, of the church in the town. And there's a playground over here. And everything is overgrown and like dirty and not well kept. And Rob says, hey, what's up with the playground over there? 
Like, why, why is it, why is it not, well, like, what's going, like, it's kind of run down, like, you should keep that up. And the, the leader said, oh, no, 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 that was, that was a playground built by some missionaries that came in and thought that they knew what we needed. So they just built, they just built the playground, like, you're welcome, local people, we're here, the missionaries, we'll build you a playground. Well, and, and the local leader's like, no, we don't need a playground, what we need is a library. We need a way to get access to information. We don't need a playground. So, now the playground is overrun. Again, pay attention. He does not jump right in to give the answers. He, the Spirit guides Philip. Philip runs, which is, I think, just fascinating. He runs to the chariot. He gets to the chariot. He asks a thoughtful question. He doesn't lead in with an answer. And then he waits to be invited in. And when he's invited in, boom, the magic happens. Uh, if you want to do later reading, you should read from Luke 9. A lot of Christians think that there's missiological significance to inviting people into their home. Actually, what we see from Luke 9 and what we see from missiological practices, practices of mission, uh, what we see is the goal ought to be being welcomed into the home of another. That's where the power really happens. Right? So Luke 9 is like the disciples get sent out. They're sent out like, without clothes, right? They have nothing. And they have to lean on the hospitality of other people. And then they get welcomed into homes. And this is where the activity of the kingdom of God starts to roll out. Not by getting people into your home, but by being welcomed in, by being invited into the home of another. Similarly, Philip here, he's invited into the personal space of the chariot. And then verse 35 says this. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. Uh, here's what I want to invite us to note here. Philip began with where this man currently was, not his own agenda for this man. He began, this guy was reading scripture. Amazing, what a great opportunity. He begins by joining him with the reading of scripture, and then from there ties in, like the text says, the story of Jesus. Again, don't assume that as we go and as you, whatever, you all, you all do great things. I love your line. Gather well, scatter better. Right? I love that. That's so, that's, that's important. And uh, it's, a, it's a line that I hope that you continue for a long time. In that scattering, in that scattering, know that God is out in front. God is on the move already. And you're joining up with what God's doing. And it's our role as the people of God to bring out how God is on the move already in the place. And to, I, I like the image of uh, oftentimes a, a tire, if you pick a tire on dirt. Uh, oftentimes if you're starting to go fast, it doesn't get traction. Just spins, 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 and the cloud of smoke and dirt comes up. It's our job to help slow down and help that tire to gain traction on the dirt. This is our role. It's our role to illuminate what God is already doing. Uh, a lot of people will say it's like a black and white picture that we're helping to color in. This is our role as the people of God, as we join people, as they invite us in, and as we share. So all this said, I wanted, I wanted to share this because you as a church are in year four of being a new church. And this is a big deal. Firstly, the percentage of chances, quote unquote chances, that you would get this far are very slim. 
So congratulations on your work, and thanks be to God that God's been faithful, and that uh, the, the, the work of the kingdom has been rolling out through this community. That's a big deal. Second of all, uh, year four, for many of our new churches, is a time where it can get a bit tiring. Uh, maybe maybe uh, the, the boundary talk that we started with, like the importance of boundaries, um, uh, becomes increasingly important. Um, so as to not wear each other out in the work that we're doing. But with that in mind, also with in mind the opportunity into year four to get a little bit more comfy and cozy. Uh, I remember summer here four years ago, and there's, you know, a third of the amount of people that are in here now in summer four years ago. But there's enough density now to feel comfy and cozy as a church. Quote, you, you quote unquote kind of made it. That is the single biggest threat to your church right now, is that comfiness and coziness. Thanks for including that in the, con- in the confession, comfortability and convenience. Like we see in the book of Acts, this is a big, what we read today is a big scene of transition. The role of God's people in light of the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus as equipped by the Holy Spirit is not to come here and be comfy and cozy together on Sundays. That's just not the point. Are there benefits to it? Yes, absolutely. Is that the point? No, that's not the point. The point is tying with this trajectory, and you can read later if you want, this trajectory is to continue to be people who function as a sign and as a foretaste of the kingdom of God And it's wonder, it's love, it's forgiveness, it's reconciliation, it's redemption across the cosmos. So, Light Shine Church, congratulations. Seriously. Year four is a big deal. Big deal. But may you just be stretching right now. May you just be getting loose. Like, you're just getting ready for the real work that is ahead. May God sustain you in that work as you move forward. May you be graceful with each other as you do the really tricky work of connecting with neighbors and connecting with people who don't identify as Christian. And may the work that you do continue to bless people and multiply from generation to generation. The Spirit is with you. How can you pay attention more? How can you be great question askers? How may you join people who are inviting you in? And how may the story of Jesus continue to take hold and bring redemption to the lives of people? Key questions for year four as you go into year five. And yeah, know that we're with you. We're praying with you. And uh, just feel, feel honored to be a part of your story. So, 